You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we have the blessing of hearing two devotions from the Sermon on the Mount. And Peter is going first, Pastor P. And he's got some cool music that he's going to be releasing, I think, soon. So uh, keep an ear out for Pastor P and his music. Um, Then we have Davina sharing. And we're looking forward to hearing from Davina as well. So let's let's give Peter a warm let's give him a warm welcome. Cool. All right, thanks, Glenn. Um, how's everyone doing? It's a bit warm, eh? Yeah. Uh, let's pray. Um, Father, we just thank you for today. Uh, thank you that we can come together as a family share your word. I pray, Lord, um, that your word pierces our heart, even mine, Father God. Uh, may it be encouraging. May it um, just grow fruit from today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So um, I'll be sharing from uh, Matthew 7, um, 24 to 28. Um, and it's the wise and the foolish builders. So it's, um, I'll just read it out. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain comes down, the, sh- the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one with authority and not as their teachers of the law. Um, so when we read this, we see that there's, um, the teaching looks at two types of people, um, one who hears his word and puts it into action, and another who hears the word and does not put them into action. But the one thing that they had um, similar was that they both heard the word. Um, and um, if we look at the word here in the original language, um, I'm not good at pronunciation, but it's um, akuo, is that how you say it? Akuo, which is, um, in the, it's spelled A-K-O-U-O. Um, and the word means to hear, listen, comprehend by hearing, to hear God's words which prompt him to birth faith within. And the actual word acute comes from the word in English acoustic. So if you think about um, a worship band or a live band, there's so much percussion. You've got five 
guitars going, piano, percussion. But if you take away everything and strip away the band and you're left with acoustic, you're more intense to hear. And it's more, um, I find that it's more um, intimate in your worship when you, when you strip away everything. And, that's, and when you hear the word hear, that's how I, I picture it as well, is that in our lives there's so much noise, but we need to get to a place or where we hear intently. When we hear the word, it's, it's supposed to motivate us and encourage us to do something about it. Um, and that was the difference between the wise and the foolish builder. Um, um, James 1 verse 22 encourages us to be hearers and doers of the word, not just hearers. Um, and the fruition of someone that hears and does the word is that they're able to build on their, build their house on a solid foundation that's unmoving and unwavering. <clears throat> and when you think about a foundation, it's the most important part that is needed before you're able to build a house. Um, and I got this quote from a civil engineering website because I, I like to study what things mean. Um, And it said, the foundation is the most important part of a structure. The strength and stability of the structure depends on its foundation. If the foundation fails, the superstructure, however strong it may be, cannot stand. Hence, of the stable structure, a good foundation is essential. So without a great foundation, nothing can stand. Um, um, the foundation is the set piece that holds everything together. And as Christ is the greatest foundation we can now have, it is up to us to be hearers and doers of the word because that's where the transformation happens. His word in us moves us beyond measure. If we allow God to do these things and we follow, sorry, yeah, move beyond measure. If we allow God to do these things and we follow. Um, and the house, which is us, built on the foundation of Christ, um, is the foundation of us being hearers and doers of the word. So the fruit of the foundation in our lives, that's how we're able to build. And when I think about a house, it, for me, it's really talking about our character in Christ, our attitude. Um, I said it before, like, you know, we're talking about the Beatitudes and the Beatitudes is all about our attitude and the transformation of that God does in our life. The first thing that people will see is the way we... Um, the way that we present ourselves to people. That's the first thing that they'll start seeing um, changing. Um, on, the, one of the, on the side note, one of the interesting facts about um, foundation, and it happens in our own lives too, people will see a change, they don't know what it is, and you're able to tell people about Christ. And it's because we've set our foundation on God. And you know, when you think about it, no one comes into a house and looks at the foundation. They look at the house. They look at the beautiness of it. But everyone forgets about the foundation. Um, it's like a tree. Like we can look at all these beautiful trees, but the impact of the what makes that tree good is the roots. And no one looks at the roots. So you know, God being our foundation has to be the center of everything. And you know, the the scripture talked about um, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. Um, if we think about where we have church, 
it's been through, what, two floods? Um, and it's still standing because the foundation is set. And I want to encourage us that there's going to be times where we're going to go through the floods, where we're going to go through struggles, um, but the foundation is set. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means God's showing you something that maybe we need to start working on. Um, I, and that's the difference between someone that hear and doer because that relationship is set. But someone that just hears the word um, is someone that just goes to Bunnings, buys all the building material and then stores it in the garage or just tries to build something without understanding the, the foundation part. Um, so, yeah, my encouragement today is um, let's continue to – and it, this is what's encouraged me is that our foundation – um, it's the most underrated thing at times and the most um, thing that we have to build on constantly. Um, at JC Soldiers, that's, that's the only thing we focus on is um, discipleship of um, who we are in Christ because that's what changes us first. Um, our foundation and our building, once you get that where God changes us and transforms us, then we can tra- see transformation in everyone else. Um, so the focus is always going to be on us. Um, yeah, so my my prayer for myself is that when I see God's word and it, it challenges me that I work on it. So, um, and just want to finish with this scripture. Second uh, Corinthians 4, um, from 7. Second Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all suppressing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, stuck down, but not destroyed. Um, yeah, if there's anything that you take away from today that really blessed me is that, um, yeah, when the storms come and it does waver us, just remember your foundation is set in Christ. You don't have to run... We're a child of God. You know, he's signed it with his um, His blood, so always run to him. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Um, F- Father, I just pray, Lord, that um, your word continues to pierce us, uh, Lord, and um, Lord, you know what we go through. You know our ups and downs. You know the trials that we go. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you continue to press on our hearts the areas that um, we need to build upon, Father God. And, Lord, I just pray that our feet would be on solid ground with you. Um, Lord, forgive us when we've tried to do it in our own strength. Um, I know it's very tiring, but sometimes our pride gets the best of us, Lord. So, Father, continue to teach us and mold us. Um, Continue to give us those revelations of your word um, that we're able to stand firm in you, Father God. Uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for um, this world is really cunning father god with all these different types of religion that sounds like who you are but it's not father god and that's one prayer i ask lord for this church for us as christians that we know your word that our foundation is set and not wavered on anything else but you in jesus name amen 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 awesome job peter Amen. It's that it's hearing and doing, not just hearing, 
not so many people, not everybody hears. Um, so we need to be hearers, but there's many people that hear and don't do. And they wonder why the power of God is not operating in their life and their foundation is not strong. Because we need to hear and do. Those two need to be married together. And what God has joined together, let no man pull apart, pull asunder. All righty. Now we have Davina. Davina, come up to... I'm just going to pray first. Um, Lord, I thank you for um, the opportunity to share, um, yeah, your word, your bread. And I thank you for um, the uh, amazing teaching that we've had so far from from the body of Christ and what a blessing everyone has been. And I just pray that you would just help um, help me um, with to, to share what you have. And, um, yeah, I just ask um, that you would help us to, like Peter said, to be able to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so when Glenn suggested the Sermon on the Mount series, I had actually just had a devotion time with God um, where I was reading about the man that Jesus healed with leprosy after he came down from the mountain. So I felt prompted to share about that. So I'll just read um, that because it feels... It just felt like it was a really practical demonstration of what he talks about in Matthew seven twelve from his sermon. So in everything, do to others what you would have do to them to do to you have them do to you. For this sums up the law of and the prophets. Um, so the story is in Matthew eight one to four. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Um, so in Luke, it also adds that the man was covered in leprosy, so it sounds like he had quite advanced symptoms. Um, and that he fell down with his face to the ground and he begged Jesus. So it wasn't just that he knelt, but he, he fell on to his face on the ground. Um, so I imagined that he probably felt quite ashamed to be in public amongst all the crowds that were following Jesus and that he may have had some symptoms of muscle weakness and paralysis. And so... Um, yeah, it might have been a real, a real mission for him to even get to the feet of Jesus. And um, with leprosy, it shortens your fingers and it shortens your toes. So they become quite disfigured and with your face as well. 
Um, it affects around your eyes and your nose and your ears. And so your face will actually look quite disfigured to you, which can be quite confronting for others to see. Um, so, yeah, feel free to Google that. Because I had kind of imagined what leprosy was, was kind of some kind of like flaky skin rash thing, but it was just nothing compared to when I actually looked it up. Um, so... Yeah, so just imagine being in public looking like that and the reaction that people would have at the side of you. Um, and then with the Mosaic Law in Leviticus 13.45, it ordered that if you had leprosy, that your clothes were to be worn torn, your hair was to be unkempt, your lower face was to be covered, and you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. So if you had to do that, would you go outside or, or would you just isolate yourself at home so that you wouldn't have to bear the shame and humiliation of, of having to yell out and look like that? So, yeah, I just thought, wow, he just had such courage to even go out in public to overcome the fear of other people to overcome the rejection that he's probably faced for several years. I just thought, wow, like for him to have even gotten to that point, isn't that amazing um, for, for his faith to be so in Jesus that he could heal, that it was worth venturing out. Um, so by that time, I was thinking about Jesus. He would have climbed up the mountain. He would have preached his sermon he would have walked down the mountain as well. And in Luke, it says that Jesus was in one of the towns when he met the man with leprosy. So he probably walked a fair way that day. And he might have been looking for food and water. He might have been hungry and tired. And he would have just come across this man. Just probably, maybe he knew he was coming, maybe he didn't. But... You know, he had his own needs. He set them aside. He met the man who was plagued with leprosy. And he saw not just another person begging for healing, but he saw like an unspoken need that the man had as well. And Jesus gives him for what he asks for, but also so much more. So now he could have healed the leprosy with just a word from a distance. Um, but he actually draws close to the man within arm's reach and he offers a compassionate touch. And can you just imagine just the stark contrast that we'd feel when every other day you've been isolated, you've been lonely, you've been rejected. Just how bizarre that would even feel to feel a human touch. Um, and leprosy is one of those conditions that it takes quite a few years for it to, I guess, um, become uh, uh, evident that you have it. Um, so you, you could have it for maybe you know, a few years and then, and then the symptoms start to appear. And so it sounds like he, by this stage, had had it for several years and he would have had to have had that lifestyle according to the Mosaic law of, of yeah, separating himself. And so, yeah, just imagine, oh, 
just imagine, you know, a lifetime or even even a year, even a year without a hug or a handshake or a high five. Like, oh. And then you meet Jesus who looks on you with such great compassion and you can't even look him in the eye as you ask him for what you really need. And you're so used to being rejected that even though you believe that Jesus can heal you in your plea to him, you allow for the possibility that he may not be willing to heal you. You allow for that rejection because you're so used to it. And then Jesus looks at you. With the guy in his eyes. And he draws closer to you. There's no hesitation. And he speaks pure love that perfects your body. And I really believe that even though he could have healed us and stayed in heaven this whole time and he could have just unleashed his power on us, he just came in the flesh to tell that man and to tell us that it is his will to heal us and so much more. Uh, I think I'll need a few. Thank you. I'm sorry, guys. I wasn't meant to cry. Paul said he preached with tears. <laughs> Much tears. So it's biblical. <laughs> oh, thanks, Glenn. Um, uh, I feel like Jesus came down and he was with the sick. He spent time with us to show that the sickness had no power over him and to show us like such a refreshing dignity instead of the dehumanizing treatment that we sometimes give each other. Um, And I felt really convicted by all of this because I can tend to be very germaphobic (laughs) around sick people. Um, And I realized that I carried unbelief and doubt that the authority that I have in Jesus is more than enough for sickness to have no hold on me, whether I visit, hug, or lay hands on a person who's unwell. And I'd been limiting myself in that way. And so when I came to this realization at the end of last year, when Glenn had suggested the Sermon on the Mount series, um, Joseph had just had gastro a few days before. It was his first bout of it, but he'd caught a different illness every month for the past 12 months, bar September. And then more often than not, I would catch it too. And so we would spend like, yeah, about two or three weeks of every month. Um, at home recovering in isolation. And I get it. Like, I, 
yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anyone to come near us if we had gastro. Um, so I don't, I don't blame anyone. But it was just, um, it was just a really lonely year. And I think when I was given that kind of heart for the man with leprosy, it was like, oh wow, okay, this is what he felt like. This is the loneliness he would have experienced, and I just experienced a fraction of that, really. <laughs> Um, so when Joseph had gastro, he was um, vomiting, he was lethargic, he had constant diarrhea and he wasn't eating much. He was really clingy when he wasn't unconscious. And um, I started to feel reluctant to give him the usual physical affection that I would give him um, for fear of catching what he had yet again. Um, now, okay, so did less affectionate touch help him to get better? Probably not, hey. Did it help me to avoid getting sick? Not at all. <laughs> I ended up catching it, Yishi caught it too. Uh, our house was just permeated with, with um, the, the, the mess. <laughs> it was everywhere. Now, do I regret that decision to touch him less based on fear? I do. I root. I absolutely regret it, 100%. One of the studies that I think of every now and then is the one where they take babies, or they took babies, and they met all of their basic needs for, for feeding and for changing, but they withheld loving touch and affection. And the babies started to die. And the ones who've survived, they fail to thrive, both physically and psychologically. Um, and now, now we know how important that, that touch is for babies. So the first thing they do when a baby is born is they place them on the mother and the, or the father's chest, skin to skin. And it's, it's just the most beautiful, developmentally amazing, beneficial thing that you can do for a baby when they first come out. Um, so God has given us just so much power in touch, so much power. It's just, it's, it's essential for us to thrive, for humankind to thrive, not just babies, but for adults, children alike. And so I realized that I was letting fear govern my choices and it was leading to an absence of love. And I needed to overcome and rebuke the fear, discern that it was there to begin with as well, and truly exercise God's love for others. Um, I also needed to repent and overcome of my unbelief, to stand in the authority and victory that Jesus has given us all over sickness and death, to be able to do his will. And it dawned on me that if I chose to stay in the fear and the unbelief, the next generation will fail to thrive from a lack of knowing and experiencing the Father's love through me. And so um, the verses that helped me to renew my mind in this area were Mark 16, 17 to 18. And I'm just reading from the NASB 95 version. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. 
snakes, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. Oh, so much power in that scripture. What a promise. So Jesus doesn't say they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll catch the sickness too, right? Like, (laughs) it's not in there. (laughs) He says that even if we drink the deadliest poison, it will not hurt us. Even if we consume it, even if we accidentally get sneezed on by our two-year-old in the face. (laughs) Oh, man, that's happened to me so many times. (laughs) Um, what incredible power and protection we have inherited through Christ for those who believe. Um, and you know what? Like, it's easy for me to think sometimes, oh, of course Jesus could touch the man. He's God, right? Like, yeah, it wouldn't have affected him at all negatively, right? Surely, like, he was 100% God, 100% man, but ultimately he was God. Um, but let's read Mark's account. So in Mark 1, 41, um, I just want to highlight that um, he adds at the beginning. I'll just read. Oh, no, I'll just, I'll, just for the sake of time, I'll highlight that he adds at the beginning that Jesus was filled co- with compassion when he saw the man. And then in verse 45, it tells of the man's actions after the healing, which isn't mentioned in Matthew. It says, instead, the man went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So things flipped, right? The guy with the leprosy, he... He was a lonely guy. Now Jesus had to stay in the lonely places. They traded places. Isn't that just like, so what Jesus would do with us? (laughs) Um, So he knew before healing the man that the man would probably disobey him, right? He was very strict about his orders. He was very clear about his orders. Not to tell anyone, just go to the priest and... Still, his compassion and his love was greater, and he healed them anyway. And what this tells me is that God is going to give us situations to love others that are often inconvenient. They often don't fit our own schedule, our own plans, our own ideas. And it's sacrificial because his love is sacrificial. And that's how you truly love someone. And so I realized, oh, like, if I'm not open and willing to visit the sick, to lay hands on people, to heal them, if I shrink back from that, I just, I, I lose the opportunity to kind of co-labor with him, to see what he's going to do with that person. I lose just the opportunity to see the miracle. And, and, and I love it. I love it when it happens before my eyes. Just, oh, it's the most exciting thing to see God work and to partner with him in that. So anyway, I, and, and sometimes like I feel like, oh, like I 100% Lord, I, I, I want to do your will. I do. Like I feel it so badly. But then I realized that I actually fall out of alignment with his will to heal someone 
if I become unwilling for fear that either I'll catch what they've got or because oh, I just I just can't fit in in this week that God like I just don't know where I'm going to find the time to do that um, and and that it's like it's working out the the practical outworking the doing how does that look you know how do we make room for that for God's inconvenient timing and for <laughs> you know like you can't schedule that because you never know when it's going to happen but how do we simplify our lives in such a way that we do have margin in there we do have space to hear that still voice to go oh I kind of feel reluctant God but okay <laughs> I'll slot that in so um yeah and 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 I just I don't know, I guess in, in Matthew 5 from 13 to 16, this that part of the Sermon on the Mount, um, he talks about, I'll read the message version because I've just been really enjoying the message version and how vastly different it is to my usual NIV um, that I read. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And so when we had gastro, we actually, we did have one friend who visited us for a few hours to deliver a care package. And he also stuck around for a long chat. Okay, now did he catch the highly contagious gastro that we had? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Praise God. <laughs> um, but, oh man, I, yeah, oh. I praised God so much for his presence because that was such a light in our dark time. And um, in other translations, that's what it says, you know, shine your light so that others will praise God for your good deeds. Um, so it's it's really practical, just so practical the way he spells it out. And Barbara, she's done the same for me as well when we were sick when Joseph was a lot younger. Um, and do you know what? There's nothing more radiant than a fellow believer on your doorstep with a smile and some chicken soup. It's, it's the best thing in the world. Like I have that image imprinted in my mind forever. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you can't help but praise God when that happens. It's a beautiful thing. Now, on the other hand, when I've been the healthy one, um, I, I felt the absence, the loss of that true life, that that you try to 
protect yourself and you try to keep yourself healthy, especially after your year of sickness and you do everything you can. We avoided playgrounds for months, <laughs> just, you know, striving your strength. And there was no life in that. There was just no life. I just, it was lonely. It was just isolating. It was silly. Um, and, and, you know, I tried silly things like, oh, avoiding my friends when they had sick kids and, and really, I just was avoiding the opportunity to shine light in their unbelieving households. Like, that's ultimately what it came down to. Um, I, like, I, if I was really that worried about Joseph touching everything and putting things in his mouth and then spreading it to me, I could have just left him at home. Like, I could have worked out a way, right? Um, and so I just, yeah, I just felt really kind of convicted about all of that and um, in Matthew 10, 37 to 39, um, the, the Passion Translation reads, um, Whoever loves father or mother or son, as I, as I did with Joseph, or daughter more than me, is not fit to be my disciple. Whoever comes to me must follow in my steps and be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he is not worthy of me. Those who cling to their lives will give up true life. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. So I was trying to protect my family. And, and as a result, you know, I just, that, all that self-preservation, I, I lost so many opportunities to really speak into my friends' lives um, when they, yeah, desperately needed help. And so... Yeah, um, I guess, in, yeah, now what would I do differently? I'd, I'd ask the Lord. I'd ask him. I wouldn't be fearful. I wouldn't get the heebie-jeebies <laughs> when I hear that they're sick again. Because <laughs> um, I know that his ways are so much higher than mine. I know that, you know, sometimes he's told me to do something like go to a playground when I don't feel like it, when I don't want to. I know that, you know, we've caught stuff at playgrounds before and I'm reluctant, but he's told me and I've gone and I've been so blessed because I've run into a friend there and I've been able to connect with him unexpectedly, spontaneously and, and shine a bit of light there. So, yeah, so I just trust that whenever I'm doing his will now, that his grace will empower me and protect me as well. Um... But yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to lay our own ways at the foot of the cross. The things that feel wise, the things that feel sensible, the things that feel logical or rational, it's hard. Um, so there's something about leprosy that I didn't know before. Um, but I, when I was looking it up, I just thought I might share it with you as well. And so when I looked up what the medical websites say about it, they... Um, they say it's caused by a bacteria that's believed to be transmitted by bodily fluids. Uh, but it's not actually contagious, as well, as contagious as we think. Like, it sounds highly contagious by the Mosaic Law, right? It sounds like you got to keep well away. Um, and I'm sure there was a reason for that back in the day. Uh, but the overwhelming majority of people who are exposed to leprosy won't develop the disease. It requires extended close contact living with someone with leprosy for more than a month for a person to develop it. So Jesus actually knew that. Yeah, he wasn't afraid. Um, and the medical websites state that you actually can't catch it by giving them 
a long hug. You can't catch leprosy by sitting with them on the bus. You can't catch leprosy by having a meal beside them. And those are all things that I had imagined that you wouldn't be able to do with someone with leprosy. Um, so, like, I think it's important to still exercise wisdom and to have discernment. But I guess what does that look like, say, in this situation? Uh, for example, it might be, you know, don't kiss them on the mouth or share a spoon with them. Um, but what I've n kind of realized is actually sometimes the spirit of fear is deceptive and it can masquerade to look like wisdom. And I found it's very easy for me to confuse the two and blend them together and kind of take more extreme measures than is actually necessary. And so, you know, like I'll give an example. Um, Joseph was born in the first lockdowns that we had um, and he didn't meet my mum and dad until he was six months old. So they only live a suburb away from us. It wasn't distance that was a problem. It was my anxiety that he would catch something from them when they were perfectly healthy. And so, yeah, I, I have made choices in the past to distance myself from not just the sick people, but from healthy people too. And, and that was just, yeah, uh, crazy. And when I think about it now, you know, like we were told to treat everyone like they were contagious. So it was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, well, what, what if my mum and dad bring something? You know, he's a newborn. He doesn't have an immune system. Um, yeah, but really I should have, I really should have sought the Lord on that one and asked him, oh, look, I know everyone's saying treat them like they're contagious, but what do you want me to do, Lord, in this situation? So, um, yeah, so I realized I let fear govern my decisions without checking in with God about what he would personally have me do. Um, Anna even wanted to come over and pray for us when, Jesus, when Joseph was new, um, but we thought it would be wiser to pray over the phone. Um, and, and I regret that. I absolutely regret that. I think the worst thing for a new parent is to isolate themselves. Um, and yeah, it actually just didn't benefit anyone at all. Anyone who was involved, my mom, my dad, and all, you know. So yeah, fear doesn't serve us. And so um, yeah, uh, I've, had, um, I've heard the word thrown around, the age of anxiety, that we live in an age of anxiety. Has anyone heard that before? Um, and so I think it's more important now than ever before to discern if we're allowing the spirit of fear to, to influence our lives. So 2 Timothy 1, 7 in the Amplified Version says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline in square brackets, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. When you're in a state of fear, you're not calm, are you? Yeah. And I think it can be really easy to get familiar with that state and not, 
not discern that actually, no, this isn't the state I, I should be in. That actually, no, I need to break out of this. I'm, I'm still learning that as well for myself. Um, and so, yeah, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to discern what his love looks like and feels like in every situation and to exercise the self-discipline to do it by his power, even if it's out of our comfort zone, even if it goes against what others say, we just need to follow what he says. Um, in another part of his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew five forty-eight, Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly perfect Father is perfect. Now, I don't think he's telling us to be perfectionists. I think it's more that his perfect love casts out that fear and we're to be in that in his perfect love. We're to just allow his love to perfect us and allow it to empower us to then perfect others through his healing love. So in John 13, 34 to 35, in the NIV version, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you notice that he says everyone will know that you are my disciples? Does everyone know that we are his disciples? Have you thought about that? <laughs> yeah. Are we actually loving each other? Like evidently that people can see that with their eyes. They're just, they're, they're naturalized. The people who don't have eyes in the spirit. This is the kind of love that, that God is calling. It's a big love. That's a big ask, isn't it? We really need him to help us with that. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's what's going to cause them to kind of stop in their tracks and go, oh, like there's something really different here. And so what does that look like practically? Um, in 1 John 3, 16 to 20, in the message version, it says, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Um, so this passage reminds me of the hangs and how they always say love looks like something. And um, I don't think Daniel's there, but happy birthday to him. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday. So after Matthew seven twelve, um, it was refreshing to read how the message version translates what Jesus says in Matthew seven thirteen to 14. 
don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. First of all, like, who's got spare time anyway? <laughs> These days, we're all so busy. Um, yeah, it, it requires, I think what that's saying is it requires an intentionality. It requires us to really um, commit. Oh, I did boot camp recently, and man, that is, that is some vigor right there. <laughs> it required me to submit to whatever Christina was telling me to do, and huff and puff my way through it. But I knew, I knew it would bless me. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. I just really, I just, I thought of that. That was um, Matthew seven thirteen to 14. Uh, seven, yeah. So God will require more of us than we think we can do. And he will require us to surrender to that stretching. It will feel like stretching. It will feel uncomfortable. Um, it will feel like growing pains. But... His grace empowers us to have the vigor to do it. And then he gets this beautiful, flexible new wineskin that then he gets to fill with his new wine and, yeah, and share it with others. So um, I just wanted to finish the devotion with this prayer for you all from Philippians 1, 9 to 11 from the NLT version. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. Um, so there was kind of a practical element that God had put on my heart. I feel quite uncomfortable about it, but <laughs> bear with me. Um, so before Jesus gives his new command to love one another, to show everyone that we are his disciples, he demonstrates love in action himself. Does anyone know what that was? Do you remember? In John 13, 3 to 17, so Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, 
You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in with me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's, that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, um, yeah, you might probably feel a bit hesitant or awkward. It's by all means, exercise your free will. <laughs> That's God-given. So um, it's just voluntary participation, but I have some water there. I have some lovely soap and a towel and if anyone would like their feet washed i'm going to do it now so Davina, can I, uh, as, as you uh, prepare yourself, can I uh, get us to do something? If we can all get next to someone, just put your hand on their shoulder, and we're going we're gonna to pray for one another. I want, you, I want you to pray for the person next to you. Father, we want to thank you for your word that you shared through Davina and that it was life-giving and it was what you have worked deep in our heart. And Lord, we want to lay our hands on our brothers and sisters right now and pray for your genuine love and care to flow. We pray for a heart of care and compassion for one another like Jesus. And I also pray that whoever feels like the leper, because that's what sin does, it disfigures us. But whoever feels like the leper, I'm asking that you'd stretch out your hand, Jesus, today, and that you would restore them and make them clean. And if, that, if that's you, if you feel that that shame of being like a leper. Just ask Jesus, make me clean. And I believe he's going to take his hand, he's going to touch you, and he's going to heal you. 
And this is what we're praying for one another, that your love would flow in this body. And your grace, you, we pray for everyone at home. Grace, and Ben and Sandra and Joshua and Kiara and Kat. We pray for the power of God to touch them. We feel powerless many times, but would you stretch forth your hand, Jesus, and do signs and wonders and miracles and healing in the mighty name of Jesus all over this place. And, and Father, we heard about the spirit of fear. We pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of fear does not govern our lives, but that Holy Spirit, you govern our lives and that you would give us wisdom. And for each person, that wisdom is going to look different. And I, I just want to say, as a word of wisdom, that for each person in this congregation, every Christian, the wisdom will look a little bit different, but it will always be love-motivated. It will always be coming from Jesus' heart. He may say to one, go and touch that person. He may say to another, I want you to hold back because I want to do something different. But we need to surrender, surrender and let him govern our lives and not fear. So we cancel fear in the name of Jesus. And we pray that your lordship would govern us and that we would be known to love, serve and help. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, we're not over yet.